Holly Knoll, host of the Everyday Entrepreneur Podcast. If you've always wanted to start a business and don't know where or how to start, you've come to the right place. After leaving an unfulfilling corporate career, I decided it was time to start a business of my own. Today, I'm a business coach and creator of The Consultant Code, where I help people start services-based businesses in 60 days or less. So grab your latte because you're about to be inspired, armed with knowledge, and given simple tools to start a business of your own from my interviews with Everyday Entrepreneurs. Welcome back to the Everyday Entrepreneur Podcast, Season 2, where I interview women in tech. Today, I'm really excited to have Swathi Reddy on the pod. Swathi has been a leader in the tech industry for over 15 years. She grew up in India, left her entire family, and then moved to Canada to pursue her MBA. After she got her MBA, Swathi joined Corporate America and worked for some of the largest technology and consulting firms. She's a mother of two kids under five and also mentors early stage tech startups through accelerators such as Alchemist and Numa. So with that, I welcome Swathi Reddy to the Everyday Entrepreneur Podcast. Welcome, Swathi, to the Everyday Entrepreneur Podcast. I am so excited to have you here today. And thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule in life to to be here with us and to share your story. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm so excited. My first podcast. Yay. Yay. So this is great. Thanks for inviting me, Holly. Well, awesome. I think, you know, just a little bit of what we've talked about leading up to today. I think your story is really going to resonate with a lot of women here that are listening to this podcast. And I'm really excited to just dig more into the details and get some of your perspective when it comes to being a woman in tech and understanding your history and background. And and again, just getting your perspective, thoughts, ideas as we go. So before we really jump into more ideas and future thinking, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are today. What is it that you do? What have you done? And and give us a little background about who you are. Sure. I think I have the most traditional career path. So I I grew up in India in a pretty traditional, typical Indian family household with a lot of family, with a lot of extended family. And and then I got my engineering and then I I left my family behind and traveled all alone to Canada to get my MBA. And in fact, I was just thinking about it yesterday. In fact, I'm the first woman in my family who has not only got the master's, but who actually left the country to do it. So I was like, hmm, I never thought about it that way. So, wow. so it was terrifying. Like my first winter in Canada was was something. I mean, <laughs> it was very daunting and well, very lonely. And then I moved to America. I joined the corporate workforce. I worked for some of the largest consulting and tech companies here. Uh, I also I also mentor early stage startups through a couple of accelerators. And uh, I lived here in the valley with two little kids under five. <laughs> so it's uh, it's a <laughs> and a busy life. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we met. I don't know what what was it three years ago now? Yeah, four years. Twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. Yeah. When we were both consulting at Gap Gap Inc. and we were working on splitting Gap you know, as a company or spinning off Old Navy onto its own company and then, you know, working and and keeping Gap kind of moving forward with Banana and all their other brands. And you had been working for Accenture at the time. And 
Accenture was a big partner in that transformation or that divestiture. And that's where we first started working together. And that's where I first met you. We do have Accenture in common. I started there right out of college when I graduated way back in the early 2000s. And so it was really exciting to be partnering with Accenture because I know there's just such great people that that work at the firm even today, especially today. And so I'm really glad that we got to meet. So tell us just a little bit about your career just in the past five years and what is it that you do and that you specialize in? What makes you a woman that works in technology? Like what kinds of technology do you work in? Yeah. Yeah. So I started in, in, I mean, way back when I started with consulting, well, I started in strategy, moved into management consulting, and then moved into technology consulting at Accenture, where my primary focus is Salesforce consulting. And that has, so which means when you talk about Salesforce, it is all front office transformations, but whether it is sales or service kind of transformational programs. So that's where I specialize in. But Holly, you and I both know <laughs> coming from Accenture, our model is very like you're on your a delivery person and you're a salesperson, that's what you're groomed to do from the get-go. So I think I have built that unique abilities with sales and delivery in my in my pocket, so to speak. And uh, then I left consulting, I joined Salesforce full-time in their services business, particularly leading large-scale transformations for Salesforce. So that's been my journey so far. I've always been in the tech space, so to speak, and and I'm based here in the Valley, so which means I work with a lot of high-tech companies as my clients. So, so that's been a bit about me and my work so far. Well, it's, it's always interesting to talk to people who work or who have worked at huge companies because there's just such a wide variety of roles that exist in these companies. And so, you know, when you say, yes, I've worked for Accenture, I mean, to your point earlier, it, it could mean really anything. And so, you know, what I know that you've specialized into your point is delivery and sales and, and those core skill sets have translated well into the consumer side or the the non-consulting side of the workforce where you now work for a software company, Salesforce. Would you mind just sharing with us a little bit about your role and, and what it is that you, you do and what does your day-to-day look like? Yeah, so it's a very similar role like consulting. So basically at Salesforce, we have large clients and all of our clients are looking to have better returns on investments on Salesforce. So I sit within our services business and it's a program called large scale transformation program. So particularly dealing with some of the more key clients, helping them. It's not just about buying the license. What do you do after you buy the license? How do you think about running some of those large digital transformations. And that's where I come in to help clients think about three to five years plan and how do you execute and how do you become more industry relevant, market focused. So that's really what my role is. On a day-to-day basis, it involves very much like consulting where <laughs> where we did quite a bit of sales, quite a bit of delivery. I think it's a fair share of client um, partnership, really, like true partnership with clients. So, so almost you are one of the 
fuck like one of the client itself to make them successful. So that's that's kind of that's kind of the role I am in right now. Okay, so I can see how your consulting skills have translated really well into into this role. Is your it sounds like you're almost a consultant to Salesforce's customers and helping them optimize the software and, and figure out their three to five year plan, leveraging the Salesforce product or products. Did I yeah. get that right? Yeah, Is that That's absolutely right. Okay. Well, tell me a little bit, and, and I definitely want to jump into, you know, being a woman, being a woman in tech, but just kind of help me understand Salesforce is really well known in San Francisco for being a, and whether this is, you know, true or not, but it's really well known as being a very, I think top of mind has been a transformation in terms of how, of, of diversity. And especially when it comes to hiring more women and, and getting more women, you know, in the staff, in over on staff overall. And I know that they've done that through some acquisitions and, you know, various companies they've acquired throughout but just tell me, like, how was the interview process? How did you get in? Salesforce is also known as being like a really hard company to quote unquote, get in or to get an interview. And, and just my interactions, I've worked very closely with Salesforce is my interactions has been, you know, they, they definitely hire, you know, a certain caliber of, of person and, and really well-respected, well-regarded people. So what did that look like? Just what was, I guess, how did you get your foot in the door there? And, and how did you kind of land your job? Yeah, I I wasn't really, I mean, the longest time it was a very natural progression, right? I've been in Salesforce practice at Accenture. It's a very natural progression to join Salesforce. But I didn't really think about joining Salesforce at all. And I, I started talking to, in fact, I had a client at that time at Accenture and the AE on that account is a good friend of mine. And we started talking and, and then she connected me with someone in the services business. And that's when Salesforce was incubating this idea called large scale programs, which was, if you think about it, right, services business is, is kind of servicing all kinds of clients, but then large scale transformations is a niche within, within that space to really focus on helping some of the large clients. So that piqued my interest. And I was like, hey, that because Accenture we do just mega deals and mega transformations of that just, that seemed like a very good parallel where I could bring a lot of value. So I connected with one of the SVPs and I think within just a couple of discussions, it was, it was, it was a, it was a very good match of skills and things like that. So, so it, it, it was a very easy transition, not, not touch what it was a transition. <laughs> Well, I think you you aren't giving yourself enough credit, and I think what I'm hearing as a theme is you've you really leveraged your relationships and your skills and experience. And I'm guessing through the interview process and through the you know kind of the networking process, you were able to really figure out how to tell your story in a way to to help the Salesforce you know hiring team realize like, hey, you're the right person for this role. I think as women, so many times, and I've talked about this you know, elsewhere on, on the podcast is we look at roles and we, we, what stands out to us is all the things that we might not be qualified to, to do. And then are like, well, I can't do 10 out of 10. I can only do eight. So I better not apply. So did that, did you have that experience or how did you have any reservations or hesitations as, as you went about transitioning to the, to a new company and a, to a new role? How did you overcome that? You know, it's, a, it's very interesting to say that. So 
before I joined Salesforce about a year ago, I think I was more so like that. I was more so worried about, hey, it may not be a perfect fit and that and this. And I was beating myself up. And then I came to a realization that I don't know, something, something changed. I, I actually joined a network of other women and other people going through the same journey. And that helped me actually feel first not so alone. I had like a community that I could just talk to. And two, uh, so that gave me that confidence. I'm like, hey, I have nothing to lose. So I think that because I definitely am capable of doing the work. It's just a matter of, it's just a matter of, is this the right fit for me as well? Right. I think so. So something changed there at that point. I, I quite can't pinpoint to what it is, but, but I think having that network really, because earlier I was just doing it all by myself. Like I was looking at roles and I was feeling very lonely. And I think having that network really helped me to, to have that confidence. And, 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 and I think that just came across in interviews and I didn't really have to prep anything, quite frankly. So because the work, it speaks for itself, like center, like many clients know me, like it's, it's, it's all there, right? There was nothing to hide. It's so I didn't, so I think that, that I think really helped me. And I think that's one of the biggest lessons for me, which is to always have some network of your trusted advisors or mentors, whatever you want to call them, but just people that you could call upon as needed. So love it. Something you said stood out to me was I somehow you you were able to gauge whether or not the role or the company was right for you. So what are some things that you look for that are important to you when you evaluate going to a new company, when you evaluate like going to a new technology team? Like what is important to you and, and what are some of those kind of where is the bar for you when you when you look to making a move? Yeah, I think for me, number one is having the ability to, you know, I think I've seen in consulting for the longest time is really because the variety, right? The different types of projects. You like you said, you could practically do anything under the sun, yeah. right? That keeps me motivated. And I, when I look for a change, I look for something like that because that gives me. New experiences keeps everything fresh and, and helps me learn, quite frankly. So that is definitely that's what table stakes. Two, this is something very hard, hard to do, but I know it's very important is the leaders you're going to be working with. It's very hard to judge during an interview process and the culture and all of these things are, are super important, but it is also hardest to judge when you're in that interview process. I don't have good pointers for this, but of course do as much research, talk to people from, from different angles, right? Not just the team you're working with, because that, that will give you a lot of perspective. And when I was going through for Salesforce as well, I talked to several partners that work with Salesforce, not just Accenture, like IBM and KPMG and not for, not for roles within them, but like partners I knew and then talking about like who is at the leadership team, what they made me like, like, you know, that that's, that's important, I think. So, but, but, but still it's, it's very hard to get a good picture. Definitely. I think we can all make mistakes there, but he, I think that's the best we can do. <laughs> but that's, I think, super critical for me. Like is 
is the variety, having good leadership support. I, I know in every new company, it takes some time to build your brand, build who you are, but, but, but having that supportive leaders is, is super critical. Yeah, I agree. I agree. One thing I often look for when I'm looking for new clients for my consulting business is, you know, how many women are at the table at this company? You know, how many, who are the decision makers and and what are they like? And am I going to gel with them? Are they going to kind of respect my experience and background? Am I going to have a seat at the table myself? And you know, be able to to bring my leadership skills and qualities to the table. And one thing that always just makes me feel just a little bit more reassured, and and this shouldn't, this is not a blanket sta- statement that just because there's a woman on the leadership team means you're going to be heard. That unfortunately is not the case. Yeah. But I do, I do like to see just diversity when it comes to gender and race, both. So that is something that is is really important to me when I look at, you know, where I want to work next and what I want to do in terms of what clients I take on. Is that something that goes through your head at all? When you, you know, Holly, it's so funny. When I was transitioning from Accenture, I didn't quite think about it so much at that point because at Accenture, I did have strong women leaders around me, supported me. And you know Accenture, right? Like, we grew leaders literally. Yeah. And like from, from like babies, <laughs> babies out of college. They grow up there. And yeah. 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 So I I I I think I almost took it for granted because I had such strong women leadership around me. I didn't think about it much. I just expected all companies would be like that, right? I think now for me, when I'm making a shift, I think that's becoming a lot more, lot more important. Diversity in all types of diversity, not just women. It is it is becoming a lot lot more prevalent and a lot more important. And when like you said, just because there's a woman, it doesn't mean much, but it just means that for me, like personally, when I just feel like a little more I can let my guard down a little bit. <laughs> you yeah. know, just know knowing that I can recognize the face, I can someone that looks like me, I, I, I may feel a little more comfortable, especially me because I am been, I'm, I've often been in meetings where I am the only woman in a meeting or I'm the only woman of color in a meeting. So that that has happened to me so many years now. So I almost have like, almost have like my radar, my radars go up, right? Like when I'm constantly thinking, double checking, rechecking everything a zillion times. So there's just a lot of stress, unnecessary stress <laughs> that I endure in of my own self, which I feel like if there was another woman in there, maybe, you know, things will, will be a little different. But yeah, so I think that that is especially having induced that stress for so many years. And yes, it would be nice and cheap for a change, not having to stress out so much, but having to worry about actual problem attack. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, obviously, you know, women and, and equality is something that, you know, just knowing you and, some, you know, some of the discussions we've had and just hearing what you've said here, you know, obviously you know, female representation within technology companies and equality overall is something that you hold near and dear. It it appears to me. Would would you disagree or am I? Oh, no, absolutely. (laughs) I live it on a daily basis, right? I, you know, so I definitely, and I'm glad that these days we are at least talking about it. That that, Mm -hmm. there have been so many years that nobody even cared, right? Yeah. So I'm glad that more and more conversations at least are happening so it, it definitely is very near and dear. 
So why is it so important to you? I mean, it's, what are some of maybe the benefits that you've received working in, you know, more diverse teams or more equal teams? Do you have any, any examples of like this, this awesome experience you've had because there's been more diversity at the table, more women voices, more, more people of color. Do you have any, I don't know, any, any awesome like examples or, um, you know, stories you could share or maybe even the opposite (laughs) where it didn't work out so well that made you realize, gosh, it's really important to have, you know, a little bit more of a, a, you know, some more, I'm trying not to use the word diverse. I'm thinking of another word, like just a more variety of of voices. No, I I think, so why, I think what you're asking, why is diversity even important? So the way I look at it, and I mean, we've been in consulting, we deal with clients a lot and we deal with our routines, right? So I I just think, first of all, the problems we are solving are pretty hard problems. If they are so straightforward, I I don't think we would be talking about it as much. Uh, So these are tough problems and there is no one right or wrong answer, right? And and the more diverse perspectives we get on the table, the more creative our solutions, whether it is what we are pitching to our clients, what we are pitching out to our teams, I think there is that dimension that automatically comes with more diverse perspectives. I, I, I actually am just curious just what, what your thoughts are in in just why is it important for for women to even be in tech? Like, it, maybe we could just even narrow it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, first of all, I'll break that down into two things, right? Like, why is in general tech a good space to be in? And then we were mm-hmm. going to why actually more women are needed in the space. Yeah, um, firstly, tech. You know, it's it's pretty exciting, right? Like there's so many technologies popping up every single day. There's lots you can learn. There's a lot of companies, right? It's easy to move around. And in general, tech has so which all of this means it means that more opportunities are there, right? And secondly, it's also pretty open industry, right? Like you can move to product, to engineering, to marketing, to sales pretty easily, especially when you're fresh undergrad, like you're coming out of school and you're joining the workforce. I think these are good places to start because it it helps you move on quickly, understand everything, and also practically see what you learned in your B-school or whatever. Like how do you do pricing? How do you do product positioning? All these things. And and I, I think that gives a very strong foundation. So I really think it is a good space for people to be in and it has a lot more opportunities. It's got opportunities for everyone, right? Like there's just more, there's just more opportunities, hands down. In the world, I, I, I would also add, the world is not going to get less technical. Like if anything, I think even though tech has had a hard you know, you know, this past year or so, you know, stock prices have been down and whatnot, but technology is not going to become obsolete. If anything, it's going, this world is becoming more and more technology oriented, enabled, like automated. And so there's going to be increasing needs and always needs for people to be behind the automation, to behind building these products and these solutions. And so I think Personally, it's one of the, it's an incredibly secure place to be when it comes to, to jobs and, and career opportunities, both from like a, a variety of roles available to your point and just like where the world is going. Like we aren't going to be like, Hey, let's, let's, 
let's go back to pencils and pens and pencils and, you know, and, and paper. No, we're, you know, I think that, you know, obviously the world is going to continue to gain more and more technology logically advanced. So I look at my niece who's five and, you know, even your kids, like what are the technology careers going to look like for them in 20 years? Unimaginable, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely, I think you're spot on, right? Like it's not going anywhere. There's just, then there's just, it's not, there's room for everyone because it's growing so much. It's not like you have to keep competing. There is just right. so much room for everyone. There's so much room for growth. I think those are all just in general, I think, good sides of tech. But And we also need more women in tech and particularly more women in leadership. More so these days, mm-hmm. right? Like if you think about tech companies, on average, the average tenure of tech, tech companies every year keeps falling. It was 18 months. I think it's 12 months this year, right? Wow. So, <laughs> So it is, it is, so there is, there needs to be change in this. So, and, and you, you know, with people quitting, right? You quit your bonuses, right? That's, that's really mm-hmm. what it is, right? So, which means what? It means that you need more empathetic leaders. You need leaders or people managers that are, that have higher EQ, that truly care about, that know how to motivate people. And I feel like that's where, and I'm not generalizing this, but but I think women in general have those, they can demonstrate some of those skills much easily, like empathy and things like that, which is much more needed today where tech companies have no employee morale, like quality of life is kind of pretty bad. So that's where I feel like there is really women, there is, there is really a big need for women, particularly in leadership positions in tech. And I, I think I think it's a good place to be and you can actually bring a meaningful change. I 100% agree. I think it's, yes, we need more women in tech in general, but we, not even a but, and we need more women leaders. You look at major companies and the CEOs, the C-levels, in major tech companies, the majority are still men, just facts, just pure facts. So I think there needs to be a lot more onus on companies to to have, you know, to have initiatives to give women an equal opportunity. But with that means that there needs to be a bigger pool of women as as well. And so it starts early, you know, like I was saying, like the example of my, my niece who's five years old, but you know, it starts in schools. Like how do we get women even more interested in going into technology and helping them understand the opportunities and what's available for them? Because it's impossible to pick from a pool if the pool doesn't exist. Right. Yeah. And so if there's three women and like, none of them are qualified to be a C-level person for whatever reason, years of experience, not the right fit for whatever reason, then it's pretty tough to say, hey, we need more women in leadership positions when there just aren't, when the pool is so small. Yeah, yeah. So maybe the other way to think about it is also like, I don't know if you're equality side of callback, in way Deloitte days, there's partners that are sales driven and there's managing directors that are people managers. So they have practice leaders. I don't know, maybe some things like, you know, even tech, they have, we have to think about ways, not such linear organizations, maybe some matrices, which different types of roles, right? Like rather than a, purely, you know, top-down type of type of old structures to alternative structures like we had in consulting, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I'm just I'm just throwing out ideas, right? Like there, there needs to be a good, 
So that creates more roles, but also more roles fit for skills as well, right? Like, you right, know, right. You don't have to be an engineer. You can be an awesome people person or still love technology, but not necessarily be an engineer, but know that there's still a role in a landing place yeah. for you, even though you aren't a software developer. Exactly, exactly. So Mm -hmm. I think I think tech companies have to probably really that's what I think in general. I think tech companies have to really take a closer look, internal look at some of the practices, Mm -hmm. processes, leadership, the trends, and come up with models that actually work for them. So entice entice women, yeah. Yeah. And 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 so far, right? Like to their credit, right? Most tech companies have grown up so quickly. So fast, <laughs> they they are so like you know it, it it's it's hard right like when you're making that kind of money it's hard to who's going to spend time to look internally and kind of fix a lot of the problems but then now we have reached that point where attrition is is high grade resignation there's all kinds of thing going on I think it's 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 time that companies really take a closer look into more proactively rather than retroactively like, oh, we just went public and now we have all, we have the stock market and investor, like the public to answer to. So now we better go like get some, you know, DEI and women initiatives and like, you know, we better go like undo because we were just trying to, you know, hustle and and launch this company and then and it would be great if these startups and early stage companies were being advised from the beginning and had it top of mind that, like as they're growing their company, you know, how do they bring diversity and, you know, diverse leaders and create roles and, and opportunities for people from the beginning versus trying to retroactively do it later on when the culture is so one way and it, and then they have to undo a heavily ingrained culture as well. I saw that in one of, in, in a company that I consulted, I won't, with that I won't name names, but I saw that at a very well-known company that's a tech company that grew up that was, you know, to me lacked in, in diversity and they were trying very hard to undo many years of just bad, you know, bad or poor hiring decisions. (laughs) So tell me what it's like, because this is one area where a couple of areas where you and I differ, but one area in particular is, you know, you're a mother in, and you, you're a mother of two kids under the ages of five. Your life is busy. They need you 24 seven. It's not like they're teenagers who are, you know, kind of self-sufficient. So what is that like juggling your, your life, your job responsibilities and expectation to be on all the time? If there is like, what, how do you juggle and, and, and make it all work and come together? (laughs) It is hard. Luckily, I have a very supportive parent. So it, it is definitely hard, even with all that. It, it, you know, we we just barely survive. <laughs> that's the yeah. right word. But, but more so, I think, I think I am being very conscious about the choices I make, right? I think what, what is a really important meeting to attend or what is not? What is that happy hour that I must be there with is what, what is that I can skip, right? I think constant prioritization, I think that's what I can do. That's what is in my control. But I also think as companies, especially one of the things, you know, there's a lot of initiatives that, that go on to attract talent, attract women and bring them on board. But then once they're in, they're alone. <laughs> they yeah, it's like, just kidding. We just said that. So you would say sign on the line. But now that you're in, 
never mind. Yeah. So yeah. it's I, I think that's when also I feel like couples have to put a lot more thought and into mm-hmm. how do you create that right support system? How do you create those leader like growth opportunities once the person is in? And and then how do you create that mentorship and alignment for that person with other women or whatever, like, you know, getting your your people basically. How how can you do that? I think that's where I, I think while it's great that there's a lot of initiatives to to attract talent and things like that, I think companies have just spend a lot more time in thinking about what do you do after. And like, like you know, why I say this is going back to that work-life balance thing that you're talking about with kids and things like that is I wish, so that is one, we have to do more in terms of one to bring women in. But also I think some of these traditional things that are followed, I think we also need to change, right? We have to understand if you want to keep more women in workforce, you have to meet them where they are. Like what? What practice do you wish would change? Yeah, like for example, right? We, a lot of companies spend a ton of money on on throwing happy hours. And mm. guess what, right? Like women show up maybe for the first 10 minutes, 20 minutes, and then they, yeah. right? At the end yeah. of it, all you see is a bunch of guys hanging back you know, building good relationships with their bosses or whatnot, right? Like that's, that's at the end of the day, women are left behind, right? Like that's thinking because mm-hmm. they can afford to be there. But yeah. women, on the other hand, we have a lot more roles to play. We have kids to take care. So I can't afford to be in like spending three hours after work being in a happy hour, right? I just wish if we, you know, created the similar environment to connect, maybe host like a uh, Party at a park, a public park, bring all, all, you know, parents together where you can see you, you're still creating an environment where I can connect with other colleagues that are in the same boat. We can talk about stuff. We can, you know, meet other leaders, right? Like, so I, I think just these are simple things, but they go a long way. Uh, I remember back at Accenture, so I was in Salesforce practice, and one of the years are, so as you know, Accenture has to maintain a certain certification count to be considered a gold or platinum partner for Salesforce. And uh, our certification numbers kept climbing down year over year. And when we looked at it, it, it was very obvious that women were not nearly taking as many certifications as men were. They were, taking, they were using, <laughs> they were taking advantage of everything and uh, getting that certificate, but women couldn't do it. And what it came down to is really providing that support structure. So what we did was divided the team, like, you know, looked at our roster, broke into smaller teams and, and provided a mentor for each set of eight or nine women. And, and that way it allowed for one, it allowed for me to connect with, you know, analysts and consultants that are in that pool and help them out. Two, it, I know them now personally to help them grow in their careers. What are the things I can teach? Right. So I think connectivity and that community is really needed and we have to Figure out ways to do it. Again, meet where women are, not create a program like globally, just launch it and expect the magic to happen. That never happened. Yeah. Where where do you think women are these days? And and I guess I guess you've said a little bit of like what you would like to see, you know, change, but like what what would be like the ideal situation for you in in your work life? Like how would you like to I guess what would be like that ideal, like imaginary, like you, you could create a job that like 
checks all of your like top five boxes. Like what, I guess, what would that look like? And and what, what you would like truly love coming into work today because you have or give or get X, Y, Z. Like what, what, what does that look like to you? Yeah, I think one, having bosses about me that are, that I can be truly inspired by, that I can learn mm-hmm. from. I think that's top of category, right? Like you, that's how people learn, right? I think that is number one. Number two is having a support network. Now, again, a lot of companies do this, but they're so formal. It's very like nobody really. Force. Talk. Yeah. 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 So nobody really talk like they're all, you know, it's it's very, I don't think people really open up in those forums. So we, but we have to figure out a way with in a in a very non-threatening, whether it is external, internal, it doesn't really matter, but support community. If you don't have it, I think create forums where people can go get it. Like for example, I joined a network that really helped me gain my confidence. And, you know, so I think I think having such support system, figuring out ways to get that, I think is is super critical. And then lastly, I think for women, I, and I don't know if it's just women or men, but but in general, we get so very in the company the culture, the job, and often women have to go way beyond to prove themselves just to get to the level playing field. And while you're doing that, you just totally forget about everything else and you're so knee deep in. And I think that's where one of the, I made that mistake. And I think I wish if I were to tell my younger self, I would tell, stop getting so, so deep in it and kind of take a step back and think about yourself as an enterprise. Think of yourself as a brand, not just brand within the company, but what do you have to do outside the company to build that brand for yourself? And that, I wish I had done that much sooner. And yeah, I think I think that's something all women have to do because that gives you confidence because you're like, you have all your eggs in one basket, but let's not do that. Let's actually spread it out. Let's have more tentacles, but be in more other forums, right? Like one of the things as a mom, you were asking me about like, this is just a lot of expectation to be at school events and yeah. that. And, and, and I was like, hey, I, I know I can't be involved every single day, but what can I do differently? Perhaps I should apply to the school board and maybe maybe become a board of director for the school. You know, so I, I think that's why women have to think a little creative and creatively to see what are some of the they can still participate, but but with a with a more realistic time commitment, right? That gives them the the maximum exposure to it gives them the involvement yet in in a, in a very time box. So I like, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, I I think I think those are some of the things I I I wish I had done sooner, and I think those are some of the things I will certainly incorporate into things that I've not done. I will be doing more of those, but but I I think those those are some of the tips or so. I I think I can give my own self if if somebody had given me these, that would be like ideal. <laughs> So tell me, I I think you said something really, really interesting, and it's not something I've heard on my daily basis at all, but I love this idea and I'd love you to just tell us just a little bit more, maybe use yourself as an example, but think of yourself as an enterprise. So what does that mean? What, how do I, Holly, think, take away from this and be like, okay, the Holly Noel enterprise, like how do, how would you 
how does someone go about thinking about themselves in that way? And, and how have you done that for yourself? I have, so this is a mistake. I've not done it. And I'm realizing this way, way quickly. But I, I think some of the ships I personally am going to be making as well, right? So the way to think about it is I have been for years, I've been all invested in in growing my career, career you know, laddering and all of that stuff, right? Now I'm, I want to take a step back and I want to have a more balanced life. Now, what does that mean? It means, yes, I am going to do well at my job, but I also want to maybe pick up another thing, a hobby or whatever that interests me and put to the dedicated time, which is also not just, you know, a hobby, but also something that can generate revenue for you. So you're not feeling so like, hey, it's 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 all of this job or nothing, right? Like just, all the eggs in the corporate yeah. basket. Yeah. Yes. Just like what you're doing, Molly. <laughs> I think that that's that's gonna that is important because one, it gives you confidence to go from A to B in a much more you can show up better in both of these places because you can feed off the confidence. And I think that is that is super critical. And also in this, you know, falls your health bucket and you know, community, whatever buckets. And I think I think it's important to think of yourself a little more holistically that way, rather than getting sucked so much into careers, titles, corporate jobs, needs, money, races. Yeah. 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 And I think especially with pandemic, a lot of people are realizing that. And I think, you know, yeah, I'm seeing a lot more of people. It doesn't have to take too much time. It just maybe an hour a week or two hours a week. But but having that outlet, I think having those outlets help you be a more con you will show up much more confident. Like I said, like, you know, becoming a member of a school board, right? You're still yeah. involved with my kids, but not necessarily in a way I take cupcakes every day to class, but right. in a different way. I still give whatever two or three hours a month or whatever. I can still be contributing, but in a meaningful way that I can actually get some confidence that I can show up at my work as well. So the enterprise of you is more you, not you, you, but the enterprise of someone is really thinking about yourself as a holistic person, not just your job, but you know your your hobbies, your children, how you want to be involved in their lives if you have them. Maybe it's travel, maybe it's you know philanthropy, maybe it's a side hustle. But what does that whole you look like? I I can't agree more. I think that in the pandemic and you know just. I don't know we're mid career we're mid career women and I think we've so done so much focus on our career and like you were saying getting promoted and build, climbing the ladder that sometimes we we sometimes I personally have been very guilty of just thinking of myself as what I do not who I am and separating what I do from who I am and and I think there doesn't have to be that separation there can be that kind of incorporation of looking at myself as a whole person, that I'm not just like a consultant. I'm not just a podcaster. I'm not just an aunt. I'm not just, a, you know, a friend, but like, who am I holistically as a person and how do all of my experiences and how does my background, how can I bring that to the table in whatever it is that I do, whether it's in my volunteer experiences or my philanthropy or um, being an auntie to my nieces or showing up as a consultant to my corporate clients. So I, I, I love just thinking of, of that guidance to, to have listeners think of themselves as a whole enterprise and a person, 
whole person versus just what what it is that they do or or what title they have. Yeah, and to start with, you know, it doesn't have to be like something big. It could be as simple as writing a couple of blog posts on LinkedIn. It could be yeah, just something because I think what happened, like I said, I think the, what happens when you are in multiple things is really you become more confident. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I personally experienced this, and I think that's where women, you know, sometimes right, we 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 doubt ourselves and things like that. And I think that's where anything to boost confidence, I will take it, right? So mm-hmm. I think, yeah, it doesn't have to be anything way big. It could start with just writing a couple of blog posts, whatever experience at work, right? Like something didn't go well, something went well, what, what was your learning? Just write, just putting your thoughts on paper or just putting maybe a medium, whatever. I think having some of those outlets is is, is critical. One of my favorite things that I try to keep in mind is uncomfortableness. Anything that's uncomfortable builds confidence, builds strength, inner strength, physical strength. Think about even working out. I'm huge into working out. I work out pretty much every day. I'm obsessed with Peloton. I every... I am uncomfortable for at least one hour every single day when I'm working out, but it builds strength, changes my body, changes my mind. And think about, you know, you know, getting, you know, it's, it's almost a cliche now, like, oh, get uncomfortable and you'll grow. But it is true. And I think that there, if there's anything that's, you know, again, like that interests somebody or that so if, if anyone is curious about something or, or just wants to know more or wants to go take a trip by themselves, anything that's just a little bit different from your day to day, um, you never know what can happen, right? Like you never know what like might spring up as a result of taking this small, tiny risk or this small, tiny step that will totally increase your confidence because you can, you can say, Hey, I did that. I learned from that. I, I now have this new perspective that I can bring to like whatever situation that you might not even know, like you might need until five years down the road. You're like, Oh, I did this thing five years ago and now I'm thinking about it now and I'm able to apply it. So I think the more well-rounded we can be as people, the the better we can be in the different roles that we we play in and show up for in our lives. Yeah. And, and like small steps, right? Like yeah. LinkedIn posts. I mean, yeah. Who is reading, right? Like you all of a sudden you have a new network or you have a new following, you have new offers, like especially you might get one new person that read it that might offer you the job of a lifetime. Or or that might offer you this opportunity to speak at a conference or, you know, whatever it is, but you'll never know if you don't try. Yeah. Back to tech. So a couple of like final questions, more rapid fires. What makes you stay in tech? Oh, I think the variety, hands down, right? Like it's, it's exciting. This variety, this opportunity, this girl, I think that has definitely made me stay for so long. (laughs) And what's made you want to leave? What's made you be like, you know what? Forget this all. I'm done. I think this is basically coming me coming being a consultant and having a super high bar, right? Mm-hmm. I think consulting companies have figured it out somehow. They've nailed down the internal processes. They have nailed down how to grow really good leaders. And I think I would like to see more of that in tech. I think tech on the other side has again like they've grown so quickly. They've not had all the luxury of time to 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 spend on 
on some of these internal initiatives. And I would like to see, you know, if anything, that's that's what will make me want to leave us not having that internal focus on growing leaders or uh, on, uh, like, I'll give you an example, right? Like, what if tech have grown so quickly that there's a lot of inefficient processes. There's a lot of lead <laughs> page. More so, more so than, you know, like for even Accenture didn't have so much red tape, for example. So I think, and what does this, all of this mean is for employees on a day, daily basis for doing their day-to-day job, it means you're, do, you're being ineffective, you're doing crappy job if, or, 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 or not so satisfying, right? Like I could have very well outsourced some of the manual tasks somewhere else, right? So all of this means that it indirectly impacts employee morale, satisfaction, or the lack of, right? So I think it's important. I know it's something very simple, but 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 it has been direct consequences. And I would like to see some of the changes, particularly in text, more internal focus and really changing them internally. Amen, sister. What, what do you see the future of women in tech? Where do you see us? Where do you see women in tech in five to 10 years? And, and what do you think needs to happen to get there? Like I said, I think there's there's already quite a few forums that are right, recruiting at all different levels and all that's going on. And I think that's a great thing that's happening. Like I said, if we focus, one is to get really to a point where Women are leading some of these companies and things like that. We need to meet where women are. And and I think that internal focus on how to get women to participate, how to truly create opportunities for them, not just lip service. And I think mm-hmm. uh, all are going to be critical to get us there. So it could be small changes, but those tweaks are so necessary to 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 get, get us there, I think. Love it. Yes, I agree. All right. Top three lessons that you've learned maybe along the way or in the past few years that you'd love to share with the audience and listeners, maybe for women um, that are thinking about job in tech, women that are in tech and feeling incredibly uninspired, women leaders in tech who have the decision-making power to make change. What are lessons you've learned and what would you say to these, you know, these different categories of women? That anything that you want to add or? Yeah, I think women that are either in tech or considering tech, one, do it. Two, you know, especially when you're only on in your careers, I think be bold, ask for opportunities, don't assume anything, move around, like learn as much as you can, right? Move, move around from marketing to whatever, right? So I think though, hands down, like, uh, I think straightforward, and be bold, be bold in meetings. You know, I used to, the longest time I used to be like, I used to be so concerned about titles. I was like, oh my God, can I see this in front of a partner? And what mm-hmm. might be think? Totally. Yeah. Totally. One of my mentors told me like, he's like, just, you know, literally stop looking at titles. <laughs> like I know it was very simple advice, but it really was effective. So I, I think be bold and say what you have to say in meetings. I think that is the number one advice I would give like for my younger self or people that are just yeah. joining what post. So women that are already in tech, I would say diversify, right? Like we talked about, do do like become that multidimensional person. Yes, it's important to grow within your career, but it's what you can just get so sucked up into it. It's important to take that step back and kind of look at yourself as a whole. And for leaders that are out there, I think, again, create, putting more thought and process into what do you do once you bring women in? How do you support? How I mean, give time to that. 
Like, you have plenty of time because that's how others are going to be learning from you. I think for the people that are already in, in some of these leadership positions, create environments that, that actually support women to thrive. And also give your personal plan, which which often I know I know is this of this it, you you think it's common, but it's not. So invest invest yeah, time in, in growing. Yeah. I think I think all of these yeah well will have probably changed at least at least if not a whole lot at least a little bit. <laughs> Well, I agree. I agree on all fronts, and and I've learned so much from you today, actually. And I, I, you know, I'm, I'm starting to think about. I have some takeaways that I'm going to think about, and you know, about what is my the enterprise of me, and and how how do I continue to create and nurture women coming up through tech, and and I I'm not a decision maker as a consultant in the technology community in terms of making decisions for corporations and how they run careers for women. But I do, I do strongly believe that there, that does need to happen. And I think there's ways to contribute in that way through volunteer opportunities, through even just my role as a consultant and setting an example and being somebody that people can come to and, and, and being that kind of informal mentor that is a neutral party as a consultant at a company. Um, so that you've just given me a lot of, to think about, and I hope you have given listeners a lot to think about as well. So I thank you so much for being here, Swathi. And and how can we find you? How can people find you online? Where could people reach out if they want to continue the conversation or ask questions or, I don't know, maybe hire you for that next big <laughs> role someday down the line? Or where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'll go on 24 seven. <laughs> and no, thank you, Holly. This has been super, it's been an exciting one hour that I spent with you. No, this is a super important topic and I appreciate everything you do. You're already an enterprise like yourself. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, thank you for everything that you're doing. Well, thank you. And it would be an honor to have you back here another time. And so we will stay in touch and I appreciate you being here on the Everyday Entrepreneur Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Are you curious if your business idea will actually work? Don't worry, I've got you. Your best business idea starts here at hollynoll.com slash free. Go to the link and download my free business action guide. In this guide, you'll map your skills and expertise to build a profitable business idea. You'll solidify an irresistible offer that turns contacts into clients. And you'll implement my step-by-step framework to quickly land your very first client. Thank you for joining me this week on the Everyday Entrepreneur Podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there and you chose to be here with me. And for that, I am truly grateful to you. For more information on today's episode and this podcast, visit hollynoll.com slash podcast, where you can find links discussed in the shows and connect directly with my guests. Remember to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform so you'll never miss an episode. And while you're at it, if you enjoyed today's show, share your rating on iTunes. Or if you'd rather tell a friend about the show, that would mean the world. And remember, check out my free business action guide at hollynoll.com slash free. Or for more business building tools, visit the consultant code on Instagram. Until next time, keep taking action to build your business.